And welcome to the Telford Tigers podcast, uh, episode seven. I'm James Liu, your host again, and uh, pleased to be uh, able to say I'm joined by none other than Scott McKenzie and also Tom Watkins uh, today. Um, yeah, so uh, obviously um, been a few weeks since the last one and uh, just like to uh, welcome welcome our guys uh, back to the podcast. So Scott, starting with you first, how are, how are things? How are you getting on? Yeah, uh, really good, James. Um it seems like ages since we've been been on here talking and yeah, just, uh, having to catch up. But yeah, I'm, I'm all good. Um, like I always say, just uh, spending time with uh, Clarice and the little one and working. And um, unfortunately, with us going into the lockdown, we're not allowed to golf. So this has been the first weekend of no golf, which I've found uh, a bit weird. But just spent a bit more time at home, which is nice. And uh, yeah, watching the little one get a little bit stronger, a little bit bigger every day. So yeah, it's good. Yeah, as they always say, they grow fast, don't they? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Good to hear you keeping well, well, and your family. Uh, so, Tom, um, I know we uh, had a bit of an adventure yesterday on the mountain bikes <laughs> over the long mint. Very enjoyable. Obviously, blessed with lucky weather. Uh, how how are you keeping? I'm just pleased we both survived. <laughs> James takes us on some, uh, some precarious <laughs> routes, that's for sure. So. Spent most of this afternoon putting a little video together, which I've not, not done before. So it was uh, educational for me using the GoPro and, and trying to edit a little little fun video together. Uh, I suppose it'll be good memories in the future. So uh, that was a good weekend. Like Scott says, we normally play golf across the weekend as well. It's the first weekend of, of this new lockdown where we've not been able to get out and um, get on the golf course, which is a shame. Um, but... but generally okay been surprisingly really busy with, with with hockey stuff over the last few weeks um with all the all the new uh, regulations and rules that we're trying to follow a lot of kids ice hockey with the free ice time um in that time so it's uh, yeah been really really busy surprisingly yeah good to hear good to hear and uh, yeah i guess that you know touching on the lockdown i guess that leads us to the fir- first kind of topic we want to cover which is, i'm sure many of our listeners you know that they're going to have opinions about it and uh, as a country yet again we're we're kind of in a lockdown not quite as stringent as the first time round but still affects obviously businesses jobs and and in our little sort of in, in our bubble uh, for our podcast listeners you know the world of hockey again is affected so kids and senior hockey yet again has, uh, has had to completely stop for at least the next month. So maybe starting with you, Scott, you know, do you want, do you want to give us some thoughts about, you know, how, how lockdown 2.0 is kind of affecting hockey? Yeah, I mean, obviously it has a huge impact on hockey because a lot of the ice rinks around the country have had to close. Um, so it's not even a choice as to whether we can get on the ice. There's no ice time available to us. So um, it's difficult. I, I, I imagine I was talking to Clarice about this the other day. I think, if I was, you know, 17, 18, 19, 20, I think I would be pulling my hair out right now because I wouldn't be able to get on the ice. Um, as a 34-year-old, I'm not really that, you know, I'm not missing it that much, but um, that's just because I've got other things going on in my life. But I think these kids really, you know, must be struggling. They must be finding it difficult. But um, as someone who, you know, has played the game for a long time, all I would advise is that they try and find other ways of, 
you know, occupying their time rather than sitting at home, you know, get outside and try and do something different, a different sport, a different, you know, something that they could do outside, you know, even at just exercise and try and keep the mind occupied and don't sit about because that is when we will find ourselves in trouble if people are just sitting about playing computer games, you know, it's important that you keep your mind active um, and, and, and your body as well. So um, for me personally, I, I don't think, I've got it as bad as, as some others have. Um, I'm still able to go to work. Uh, I'm still able to kind of live my life as normal. I may be missing out on a bit of golf. Um, obviously missing out on hockey, but um, with having the little one, it's kept my hands busy and my hands full. And um, obviously there, there's always, uh, as some people might have seen, I've set up a new business as well on the side just to kind of keep me ticking over. So um for, for me personally, I'm okay, but I just hope that others can get through it. It's, it's going to be a long four weeks for some people and hopefully they get to the other side and, and financially they're fine, but mentally as well, um, they can just find other ways to occupy the mind. Yeah, yeah, definitely agree there. I mean, there, people talk a lot about, um, you know, the mental health and, and, and obviously sometimes we forget that, you know, kids, you know, certainly at that age where they are really developing in their kind of hockey um hockey journey you know it's it's a big part of uh, the kids lives you know whether it be football hockey or any other sport so so yeah it's it, it is quite worrying and hopefully you know podcast listeners will, will will resonate that you know it's it's really important for the kids certainly to to try and keep active and, and and keep something going in their in their routine so what about what about your thoughts tom on uh lockdown 2.0 uh it's it's difficult to really put your finger on it, isn't it? And whether you agree or don't agree with certain aspects of the way it's all set up, but um, this is the, the hand we've, we've all got at the moment. So we've, we've got to manage it and deal with it as, as good as we can or as, as well as we can. Um, I, I think for myself, from my own perspective, having not really been in a position to be involved in, in my job since March and the way it should be, you know, in and around the ring, I've been dealing with this now kind of since that time. So, it's about trying to create some aspects in your life that you look forward to, you you enjoy, um, you get some fresh air, you get out and about. I'm, I work from home for the most part in my daily week anyway, you know, over the last four or five, six years. So being around the house is quite normal, but where a lot of people might be in around the home where perhaps they're not in the past, it, it can be difficult, it can be lonely. So I think it's important to, to try and find a way out and... Um, just, just get that uh, time to, to open the mind a little bit. In terms of the hockey before lockdown or this new lockdown, um, with no senior actual hockey being played, there's, there's more, than, more than there will ever be ice time for, for kids to get on the ice and, and practice. And you know, just can tell for ourselves, we were, we were running three, four sessions a week for kids. So great opportunity if the rigs are able to get open at some point to, to get the kids back playing and practicing and, and certainly developing that. You know, they need their, their 10,000 hours to to uh, really reach any sort of peak in their development. So there are opportunities to, to, to play once the rinks are open. Um, obviously, the only hockey that's happening at the moment is um, clubs that are registered for the elite series or the elite training guidelines, I should say. Um, we've been working through our um, documents over the last few weeks. We've been putting the... Luckily, we've, we've been fortunate to um, get the support of a number of people in... in COVID kind of medical roles and COVID support officing roles. So we've got to submit our EIHA training guidelines over the next week or so, um, which hopefully will coincide with us coming back 
to be able to practice in, in early December should we get out of this lockdown. Because obviously the worrying thing at the moment is how long is this actually going to last? Yeah, yeah. so obviously, yeah, fingers crossed, um, you know, that kind of goes to plan uh, as you see it at the moment, Tom. Yeah. Um, we, we can't, we physically can't ice until we have those, until we're yeah. registered as an elite, I don't know what the word is, elite club um, with the IHA for then authorised practice. Mm. Okay, thanks, Tom. Um, and uh, I, I guess leading on from that, I know, I know we talk about, you know, hockey being shut down, but it sounds like, you know, and I'm sure some of our listeners will be aware of uh, a pilot series of games, uh, um, well, not even just being proposed, but being put in into motion by the National League. Um, so Sheffield, Swindon, MK are kind of involved in this pilot series, which is due to start uh, next weekend. Um, any thoughts on, uh, you know, what's happening in, in this space? I think it's, yeah, it's, 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 sorry, it's, I was just going to say, I think it's sorry. important to note that it's not that the whole league have been involved in these discussions from the, the 10 teams um, mm. and, and every club was given an option to be part of this pilot series um, and, and each and every club have, have chosen their own direction of travel um, for whatever reason. From the Tigers' perspective, A, we haven't had our elite uh, guidelines approved, um, so we, we wouldn't be ready for that. But I think the biggest biggest thing is just finance. Um, just startup costs would be uh, pretty large like say streaming we don't stream all in, at the moment so you've got costs associated to setting up a stream um, you've got to register all your players at £140 per player you know, which obviously be for a season but you've no idea whether this is just going to be three games or 30 games um, so you've got a huge startup cost just to be involved in this uh, this series with MK Sheffield and, and Swindon who uh, agree to take part so we hope it goes well for them but certainly from the Tigers perspective we, we're eagerly watching to see how it goes we're still trying to plan for a, a January start um, all the clubs have made uh, applications for DCMS funding um, which would be a lifeline for, for certainly the Tigers and other clubs in the NIHL to, to allow us to take to the ice again So so these games James are uh, the, they start next weekend the first game being on Saturday in Swindon um, when they face Milton Keynes, um, the games are going to be streamed at twelve pounds. Um, so basically, anyone in the country that wants to watch it can um, go onto the stream and, and they pay um, twelve pound a one-off fee for twelve pound, then they can watch the game live. Um, so I mean, I think it's a pretty good idea. Uh, I think there's a few contradictions, if I'm being honest, and and that you know MK were a team that didn't want to travel when lockdown happened back in March. And now we're in the middle of lockdown and they're willing to travel and play games. I just think it's a bit of a slight con contradiction a little bit. Um, probably get called out about that. but You're going to get pelters on that one, Scotty? Uh, more than likely, but it's true, isn't it? I know there's no fans in the building, but you know they're still travelling, they're still doing what they're doing. Um, so the risk is still high, I would say. Um, anyway, I, I think for those three teams, it's, it's good. It's good to get a, a view. They've also... Um, MK Swindon and Sheffield have all signed some elite league quality British players um, who will probably play as imports if you like not officially imports but um, as these teams probably won't be able to bring their imports in I think these elite league players will kind of become those import players if you like yeah. um, over these, these games and think, uh, it should, it should be quite right. Yeah I think you're right Scott on that point of view from a, from a team's point of view trying to bring imports now with flights and possible houses much easier to bring a guy from Cardiff who's an hour away from Swindon you know brings high quality to the roster um, 
and saves a lot of on 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 finance. So I think you spot on. So yeah, I think I think I think overall these games will be they'll be interesting. Um, I I'm not sure. I don't think I'll, you'll find me watching it, but I, I hope all the teams um, stay safe. I think. I, th- I think a few of the rules have changed, Tom, haven't they? They're, they're, they're looking yeah. at some of the things they're going to do. Yeah, we were on a call the other night um, with Andrew Miller from the NIHL. There was, I, I believe there's a document to be issued, which we, we haven't seen. We just were part of a, an issue, a, a briefing, really, which briefed us on a couple of possible rules that would have to be involved in, in this kind of COVID, socially distanced game of ice hockey, which doesn't sound much fun, to be fair. Um I think the streaming series is is there not to just get the players back on the ice and and try and create a little bit of revenue, but obviously to test the test these rules that are potentially in place on and off the ice and follow the the protocols that all the clubs have got to follow to able to to get a game on. So I think things at Faceos you'll see some changes in, in and around Faceos. I think pucks will be dropped much quicker by officials as, two, as soon as two centre sticks are. Um, probably as, as close to the dot as they can get. I think the wingers probably won't be able to line up so close within uh, you know, shoulders touching as such as they had in the past. And probably have a, a little um, gap between the two. Uh, I think battles on the wall where pucks sometimes can become stalled, and you, know, you have a, a large gathering of players battling for a puck and possession. Um, I think they'll be blown up pretty quick. So there'll, there'll be some fundamental rule changes. At the moment, I mean, you just got to look at the OHL in 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 Canada. They're one of the best junior leagues in the world that they're currently playing, but they're playing non-contact hockey. And I haven't seen any of the games, and I haven't really read or heard any, anything about that. But you know, it's, it's, it's a, a game of ice hockey played at an elite standard, which is non-contact, um, which should certainly raises eyebrows. Mm. Particularly mm. as these these are you know really intense physical games of hockey in the north. Whereas perhaps in Europe, you, you can kind of get away with this non-contact um, approach. Yeah, no, no, I totally um, kind, of, kind of get that angle. Uh, I think uh, a, a lot of raised eyebrows. So and certainly from my perspective, my opinion is that, you know, when I, when I sort of see football uh, that's been restarted since, I don't think there's probably as much social distancing, certainly between the players on the pitch. And when you talk about, you know, the referee getting involved as well in situations, it doesn't always seem very socially distanced, even though they're obviously trying to set out a plan and, and best intentions to make it that way. So, yeah, it'd be it's interesting extreme, to see. It's extremely difficult, isn't it? You know, mm. who knows how it's going to go, um, whether it's going to affect the game itself. You know, these are effectively challenge game, warm-up games, whatever you want to call them. So the, you know, the fitness of the players isn't going to be there. So there's going to be a lot of... Um, Rust for the guys on the ice. There's going to be a lot of uncertainty of, of you know how rules are interpreted in certain situations. So a lot of it's watch this space. But I think from the NIHL team's perspective, you know they've all worked incredibly hard. They've all been trying to stay afloat, keep our heads above water, which I think is the biggest problem. Like I said before, that the startup costs are, are massive for all of these clubs. And if we get started and, and don't finish, perhaps then you then you're looking at potential um, loss of teams from from the league. And, Nobody wants that. So I think this year right now is, is um, trying to be as, as sustainable and as safe as we can for the future. 
Yeah, and and I guess just leading on to the the, the next part that I was going to really talk to you guys about was um, an answer that probably <laughs> was probably a bit easy to answer about a week or so ago before it was officially declared we'd been going into another lockdown because obviously it felt like things were starting to move on, you know, for, for people, everybody in the country. Um, but obviously we're in this situation again. What, what does actually mean now in terms of, you know, uh, getting an update on what's happening with the league for the, for the new season, the next season? Where, where does that leave us, do you think, guys? Well, all, all, the, like I said, all the teams are still in regular discussion. Um, I think at the moment it's potentially that we, we'd look to start between, you know, January, February, something along those lines. But, and it's only personal opinion. That obviously is having fans back in by that point. You know, I think this is going to drag on for a little while yet. Um, so you're looking at a possible league start, which is just based on on streaming. Um, being fans being able to watch. Obviously, the worrying part of that is that you potentially lose a lot of fans. You lose possible players from the sport. I think what Scott was kind of mentioning previously, where you know we've, we've got to try and stay busy and keep focused, so we're going to lose interest. People do move on to other things, and, and if the only option is to watch NHL hockey on a stream, how many people are going to take that up? I, I think in Telford, in, in the past, when we've had a, a very good stream, but obviously with a full rink, with our maximum was only 80 streams. How does that translate to an empty rink, but only people watching on stream? So uh, there's, there's a huge element of risk. Um, does that go ahead? I think which is why all the teams really need uh, the support from the DCMS to, to allow us to take the ice, knowing that uh, those financial risks are set aside. Okay, great. Um, and just to finish off, really, um, uh, a bit more closer to home, I guess, for you, for you Tom. Um, I, I've certainly heard, obviously, because you know we've been on the bike rides and, and we obviously stay in contact a, a fair bit these days, um, Sam, your your lad um, has obviously ha- had some news about um, uh, his heart condition. So, um, do you do you want to obviously you know talk a little bit about that and and how it's kind of impacting on on you guys? Um, but he's he's not just my lad. He's obviously a, a Tigers player. Um, he, he had a big impact, I think, in the team um, post January last year, coming in midway through the season, and uh, he did very well. But uh, for for those of you that that don't know or aren't aware. Um, Sam was born with something called pulmonary atresia ventricular septum defect. Essentially, that was a missing lung artery um, and a hole in the heart. So Sam's had several surgeries over over his you know his young life. Really, he's had two open heart surgeries, numerous uh, cardiac catheterizations, and and day surgeries, etc., um, to to get to the root of the problem. So at four days old, he was he was diagnosed. Um, well, not diagnosed, I suppose, at four days old. We rushed from Shrewsbury Hospital to Birmingham Children's Hospital, blue light, in an ambulance for Sam, and, and we, we had to go over there and, and meet him. So um, the next stage of that was you know, several surgeries um, to, to get him well enough to, to leave the hospital. Um, and then, obviously, through the course of the next few years, he's, he's, he's managed that. It's, it's a difficult... Um, difficult... Uh, what's the word? health issue he has it affects his cardiovascular system but i think where he's quite fortunate with uh, with ice hockey with the fact that it's, it's interval training um he, he gets that rest recovery that work rest to ratio work rest ratio is quite good for him you know three to one kind of uh, work rest ratio allows him to uh, to have that recovery but he's often fatigued and often faces challenges that, that other players t- um, teammates kids he plays against you know, just don't have so he's also had his fair share of injuries um, 
which has kind of knocked him back and, and made it more more difficult for him. Um, but just recently, we he's been doing really well. Um, so he, he, he was part of the Tigers team that won the won the double last season, and uh, he, he was he was moving along quite nicely. And then two weeks ago, we had a routine appointment at. Um, well, we've just transferred from Birmingham Children's Hospital. He had his first appointment at Queen Elizabeth in Birmingham. Uh, met his new consultant. Um, the first thing that the, that the doctor said was, Sam, you need a pacemaker for today. Um, kind of a bit of a surprise. So something that was, was kind of mentioned when he came out with his last open heart surgery when he was roughly 10 years old. Um, and a uh, bit of a shock. Uh, but what's been happening, Sam's been really struggling on the ice over the last few weeks, just really tired, even in warm-up drills. You know, massive amount of fatigue that you just can't shake off. And me being a little bit naive, you know, oh, you're not fit, we've not been on the ice, you just need to get back in the routine. So uh, certainly nothing to do with that. Essentially, his, his heart's not getting above 60 beats per minute. So where, where we, when we'd be out exercising or playing hockey, we'd be up to 150, 160 beats per minute. So uh, they're going to put a pacemaker in, uh, which will hopefully regulate and allow him to um, get back on the ice as quickly as he can and continue to play, which is a big thing. Uh, I know a few guys that, that currently play with pacemakers as well and uh, it hasn't had any lasting effects on those guys. So I'm hoping that's the same with Sam. But once they've, once they've got this pacemaker in as well, I think that they're, they're probably going to have to put a stent in as well just to uh, enlarge some of the blood flow because getting a bit of a build-up of pressure in the conduit, whereas we'd have an artery. Sam has a conduit um, and he just needs a little bit more more flow, uh, blood flow, so it'll have a bit more oxygenated body going back through his his blood and hopefully from there you'd be okay so I think these things are nowadays they're roughly the size of 50p pieces they go under the muscle top of the chest and uh, it should be a day hole it's sorry a day surgery performed by keyhole so hopefully it's not too invasive and allows him to get back to uh, normality because at the minute he's not allowed really to get out for he can't go to work he wouldn't be able to train um obviously no golf anyway but you know, no long walks or anything like that so it's 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 quite quite difficult but uh to be fair to Sammy, he, he manages it quite well and, and takes it all in a stride to be to be fair to him. Yeah, and um um I'm certainly for myself and I'm sure all the listeners, you know, uh, on the podcast, you know, we, we do wish Sam all the best, as you say. Um really really great to see see him on the debut season uh as part of that double winning season from last and uh I still remember scoring his first senior goal to pin off um yeah, actually, I can't remember who was off, but I remember it was a tip in. It was, I think it was, Ro- I think it was Rosie it was shot it. Danny I, I, Rose, I was like, Danny. Yeah, Rose, yeah. <laughs> I can remember it quite vividly. The bench was 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 ecstatic for him. It was it was a great moment, um, and, and and Steve Brody managed to get a fantastic photo of Sam celebrating with with Jack coming into shot yeah, as Jack well. On the same line, he's, yeah, he's my brother, Sam's uncle. So it was a, a really good moment, and obviously, my actually both my my mum was there. Um, Claire's parents were there as well, so there's a lot of family in the building to see him score that one. And it actually got us a point on the day. Um, mm. so it, was a, it was an important goal. But he, he's, he's got his surgery scheduled now for the 20th of November. Um, hopefully that'll that'll continue to be the date, and, and we don't get any kind of sort of cancellations or postponements due to COVID situation. So fingers crossed he can get it done and move on. Yeah, we cert- I mean certainly do do wish him all the best and. Uh... Please send send him our regards, and uh, yeah, thank thank thanks for that, Tom, for sharing that. And uh, I think uh, we will move on to speaking to our guest today. Okay, folks, uh, I'm really pleased to say that we're today on our podcast joined by none other than none other than number eighty four, Tom McKinnon. 
Tom hails from Irvine, and uh, that's Irvine in North Ayrshire, Scotland, and uh, having played his hockey with the Belfast Giants, uh, and then um, playing uh, away uh, across the pond in um, Canada, so for the Cambridge Bears, the Sagan Huskies, Kingsville Kings, all part of the Greater Metro Hockey League, and also um, finishing off uh, his sort of Canada playing days with the Mentor Icebreakers. Uh, and as we know, uh, joined the Telford Tigers for his first season as part of the double winning season just gone. Uh, and uh, as many of our fans will know, uh, clocking up uh, numerous penalty minutes. So I believe it's 190, which uh, I've been told is the most penalty minutes in the league for the last season. So uh, welcome. <laughs> welcome, Tom. Thanks for joining Hello. us. And uh, how's uh, lockdown treating you? How's life treating you? Well... Lockdown's kind of boring, isn't it? You go to work, you come home, can't really do anything. But thankfully, I got a, a little puppy now that's been keeping me company for the past couple months, keeping me on my toes. Cool. <laughs> What's the name? What's the name? What's the name? Her name's Bella. Bella. Ah, little border collie. I think she's eight, eight months now. So ah, she's... Okay. Uh, Right full of piss and vinegar at the moment. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah. Tommy, where did where did it all start? How where did how did you get into hockey? Well, it's funny you're saying that. My dad, he uh I guess he played hockey back in his day and he got into coaching kinda just around the time I was born. So I think from I think I started when I was four. He coached me all the way from four to 16, and then I went over to Canada, played a couple of years over there, and then went to the States for a year, and uh, that was certainly an eye-opener. Was that all That's in Belfast then, your junior career? Yeah, pretty much. I think I played in Kilmarney for maybe two years. Yeah. Maybe a so how year did you, there. How, how did you get from, what brought the move from Scotland to Ireland? So my mum's actually from Belfast and my dad's from Scotland. So my mum moved over there and we, I lived there till I was, I think, six. And then we moved back over to Belfast. And then I've just been pretty much residing here in Canada ever since. You've had some teams, haven't you, Tom? When James was reading that list off, I was like, wow. He's had oh, yeah. some teams. Yeah. There was... were, they, were, they, were they junior teams or were they... In Canada, yeah, there was Cambridge, Seguin, Kingsville, and then Mentor was the the professional in Ohio. Right. So, what, what's the standard like? In the in the GMHL, the standard, if you're on a top four team in either division, it's actually relatively decently good hockey. But if you go to the lower teams. It's it's more just about the money for those teams, which is sad to say. That's the first team I was on, Cambridge. We weren't very good. I think we only won like seven games all year, maybe not even that. But then I went to Seguin and we had a good team. And then in Kingsville, where I ended up meeting some really nice people. And when I go to Canada, I still go down to Kingsville and kind of go and see them and you know show my face and, and that stuff. Yeah. So, so when you were in uh, Cambridge, you so this this last season you played forty one games at one hundred ninety penalty minutes. But six years ago, when you were seventeen, 
you played 41 games, had 140 penalty minutes, so not much has really changed. And and yeah, look, look, look in between those, a lot of change. Yeah, dash three, <laughs> dash seven, plus minus a uh, couple hundred plus penalty minute seasons. How is it point holes in those, those seasons? Uh, so so, so in. He's yeah, his head. <laughs> 16, 12, 18, uh, and then one year when you I think you were a bit older, you, maybe 2021, 20, you had 43 points. Aye, that was, in, that was the last year in Kingsville. Yeah, um, but ultimately, the, the point I was trying to make was that you, for any, I mean, I, I remember playing this year against Sheffield, and Nathan Salem came up to me and he goes, Who the hell is that McKinnon? He is getting right on my nerves. He, he didn't say it that politely, but. Um, yeah, <laughs> you obviously play with that no-nonsense, gritty style. Is that always been part of your your game? Yeah, I've never, I've, I've always known that I'm not a goal scorer, and I'm not really. I kind of, I know what my role is, and I know how to do it pretty well. So I try to just stick to it. You know, there's no point, no point changing something that I know it's it's working for me. So I'm just gonna stick with it. I mean, Tommy, it's... when did you notice that uh, Tom was obviously a? I think I think I remember after the first game in Swindon, you kind of said that you'd noticed that Tom was some someone that you wanted to keep around. Um, well, I got onto Tom really, but a little bit fortunate because I think you'd agreed to go Milton Keynes, had you not? Yeah, and then yeah, then so I think then, things fell through for Tom there, and then I started chatting with his agent, and I finally got got through with Tom, and um, it was a bit difficult because you see the the, the teams that Tom's played for, you know, I'm not familiar with those leagues, other than I think it's the FHL, which is like a, a minor pro in North America. Yeah. The standard can be, you know, totally different to, you know, it's up and down completely. And in the past, it's been quite a physical, um, gritty league, or certainly well known for that. So I thought, well, if he's played in that league a season, I think he'd had a steady year as well there. You know, he's, he's, he's going to have plenty of grit about him. And uh, I think, uh, Looking back and having signed Tom at the time, I was like, I need somebody to play in our top four. I thought we were a little bit light in that department. Obviously, we've got a lot of skill guys and guys that can skate in, in waves. Um, Rosie and Corey was kind of the top three we were looking at at the time. Um, so I wanted somebody to, to play in the, play those top four minutes. And I think uh, what Tom brought to the team was exactly what we needed. Uh, fitted into a, a defensive defensive role, but hard hard edge kind of gritty in your face, you know, won't back down, doesn't doesn't want to lose, you know, he's he's a great competitor and formed an excellent partnership with with Rosie and I actually think Tom contributed to, to Danny having a, a really strong season as well, just having somebody reliable and steady alongside him that um, could could make plays but also knew how to defend. Um, and I think uh, you know, everybody kind of watching Tom play loved the, loved the amount of uh, passion and, and uh, the attitude he brought to the game and to the team itself. Who did you uh, who did you enjoy playing against the most? Because you knew you'd really pissed them off this year. <laughs> they, could, <laughs> they could not beat us with a big stick if they died. Who did he say? Swindon. Yep. Yeah. Okay, I love good. playing Swindon. <laughs> love playing them. They couldn't figure well, us out. No, I, I, we obviously play challenge games, and I think Scott raised the point there at the start and. You know, you, you bring a lot of new players into the team, and I think we had about three or four last year. So you're not quite sure how guys are going to settle and how they fit in. And uh, I can remember Tom just battling front of goal, and I thought, "Great, we've got a we've got a player here that that's going to going to be uh, 
be good for our group. And um, yeah, they certainly couldn't figure us out last last season. But surely in the past, Scott, they yeah, they, oh, they used to dump they used to dump on us quite a lot for a good number of yeah. seasons. I think we went about five seasons away. We did not beat them once. Uh, we just could not win in their rink. I don't know why. I just felt like every time we played them, we knew, you know what? Like we, we can go and we can go and beat them. So, you know, no point waiting. Might as well just go get it done. I think the difference was back in the back in the old EPL days. There was four imports, and one of them was uh, Hoog, a guy called Jonas Hoog, and it, like. He was just, he was like a small kind of dumpy guy, but he was so skilled and he used to play with Aaron Neil. Between them, yeah. they were like, they just caused, for us, they just caused us lots of problems. We couldn't deal with that kind of like. Yeah, we, you know, we, we didn't have it. We didn't have anybody that could really defend against no. us, against Hoogie. You, you know, if he wanted to, he could really turn up. And it, it seems every time he played, he, he turned yeah, up. Um, uh, whereas. Uh, Perhaps when he played other teams, he perhaps wasn't as interested. I'm not sure why that was, but uh, yeah, I think uh, I'm sure Tom could have uh, could have put him in his back pocket. What yeah. about um, players, Tommy lad? Who 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 do you uh, you know? I know you've had a few run-ins with guys this year, but who who kind of did you enjoy roughing up against? Well, <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's, there's a, a lot, but. One player that I didn't particularly like playing against would be Matty Davies. He just, he's too good on the puck. He just sees things that other people, like things that you don't expect people to, moves to make or people, you know, he just seems to see the game a lot better than most people. But he, from, I imagine from your perspective as well, he's hard to defend against because Matty's oh. got such low, low centre of gravity. He's, uh, he's got good explosive, you know, speed. But excellent agility as well. That's um, the thing. Like he so. can, he can pick the part. Like he can go fast, and then all of a sudden, slow the the play down in, in a heartbeat, and everything just comes a complete stop. He just you know, he, we, the transition. We know, Matt, we know Matty very well because obviously he had a season with us, yeah, um, two or three years back. So he's uh, yeah, he's a, he's a workhorse as well. I'm just watching him now on Facebook a lot, and every day he's in the gym, he's he's lifting, he's working out, he's an absolute machine. Um, he's in great shape and a, a, a great guy and somebody we were really fortunate had the pleasure to work with did a tremendous job for us and I you know, can appreciate he's a very very difficult player to play against Yeah What about uh, the uh, FHL what, what was that league like because I, I mean that, is that the federal league like, like slap shots you know, pretty much to be honest, imagine slap shot in 2019. That is that late. <laughs> they, there was one team that had a guy called Chase Tippin, probably about 300 pounds, big, bushy beard, kind of similar to Matt Nickerson. Right, didn't warm up, just sat on one knee at the blue line and be the most intimidating person you can imagine. <laughs> just sitting watching players skate by, just forward. And uh, I think it's there was another guy on Carolina that actually played in the NHL. Uh, I think it's Steve McIntyre. He played on Carolina. I think he's a, a fireman in the kind of city where they they play out of. So he just McIntyre plays. McIntyre played over. He played over here in lockdown the one year. Like six seven two seven. Oh, yeah, I played. I played. No, he was in. Uh, he in Newcastle or Nottingham? 
They're definitely playing Coming against him. He's huge. But he, he was oh, he was massive. quite he's quite when he was over here he was quite passive. He, he wasn't that interested. Um but yeah, absolutely huge. Oh yeah, like to be honest, there's not really a guy in, in the NHL that is as intimidating as uh, some of those guys. So I really wasn't that worried about getting beat up all that much. <laughs> so I just wanted to ask um, Tom, uh, is anything, you know, from, from, from the hockey, obviously spent a number of years in, in Canada. Is there anything in particular you kind of miss or you, you can call out is obviously very different to, you know, when, you, when you're playing in the UK, you know, is there anything you particularly miss or can differentiate between, you know, lifestyle as a hockey player in Canada to here? Honestly, not nothing really that I would miss, but the only thing that I would say the difference is kind of the physicality. There's not, there is physicality in British hockey, but not as much as I was expecting. Like the first two games, the preseason games, I done with Telford. I was, was quite shocked after them that there wasn't as much aggression as I thought there would have been. So I like the way I played in those two games. I was just trying to pick up from where I left off and it was it was like night and day to be quite honest so with that how do you how did you find the officiating obviously you were on the wrong end of a I, I think an unfortunate suspension to be fair I don't, I don't think the call was correct on the ice and obviously we we fought that corner quite hard with with you know substantial video evidence but I think it was upheld in the end so you, you miss eight games yeah, eight games. But did, did did you find the officiating frustrating at times when obviously you're trying to play hard, you're trying to trying to do yeah. your your job and and would pick up on I don't know minor penalty or, or sometimes things that were upgraded. Yeah, I think we were in Bracknell, and I think maybe you you were Sam, I think, and it was yeah, Wee Weeves was on the bench. I think you were you were there as well, Scotty, on the bench, weren't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got we were all. I got a a two minute penalty for hitting someone. Uh, it was kind of similar. The guy saw me coming. I stepped up on him at the blue line, and he turned away at the last second. So then he hit the boards. I think actually went side in, and I got a two minute for that. And I was quite I was quite annoyed because I can't when I've already committed. I can't pull out the last second because I'll probably cause more harm if something goes wrong. So I'm just going to follow through with the head. If he turns out of it, you know, it is what it is. And then I think, I think it was uh, later on in that game, it was something similar. It was someone was coming down the wall, had a shot on Brad and he tried to cut to the net and I just kind of stood in front of him and pushed him off to the side. And I got another, I got another two and Weaves just come over and he says, look, they're calling they're, every time you touch someone, they're calling you just stay away from everyone. <laughs> I was laughing. I was like, I don't know how to do that. Like, it's not, it's not how I play. I don't know how to. He's like, I just need you to stay away from people. If you think about hitting them, skate backwards. Hmm. And I was. Sometimes, uh, I mean, you've, you've, we've had players a lot. Of, you know, you've got to change your game completely. You yeah. Tell them to to settle down, not make, not make hits, and there's a time and a place, and not put yourself in that situation. But I think certainly that that one against Bracknell. I think it was Gabaj. Um, I think you're really unfortunate. Yeah, well, from my point of view, I see him skating towards the blue line and he's on his backhand. He, I know he sees me. 
So I just go to shut him. I shut him down for him to dump it, and he, I think he flops. He throws his arms up, holds his back, cries on the ice for a little, and then five minutes later goes down and scores a shootout winner or something like. Yeah, he got married in that over time. Yeah, it's <laughs> like, it. I, I don't know. Your back's not that sore. Do you know what? Don't tell me the base. Yeah, these games were in January, February time. So you'd had four months to get used to the referees by then. What, what's the saying? A leopard doesn't change his stripes or something? Spots. I think it's spots. Right, there we go. A leopard doesn't change spots. Close enough. And is there, is anyone in particular you gelled with on the team since obviously joining Tigers, you know, as a new player? Have you... Got on particularly well with any teammates, uh, you know, uh, maybe even you know socially as well. Yeah, Dominic. Dominic, oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, came to me and Dominic butted heads a few times, but <laughs> it happens when you spend, you know, when you're in a house twenty four seven with people, it it tends to happen. But I got I got on really well with Rosie off the ice and uh, Brad, Scotty, you too. I talked to Brad probably once a week, chatted to Kenny. I just kind of try to keep in touch with everyone every now and again, see how everyone's doing. Talk to Smithy. Gel with Smithy pretty well. That's because he could just talk for days. He could. <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong. So you can't, you actually came to Telford. You know, I mean, you couldn't have had a better year, really. We won everything that was available to us. So how did you find the season from kind of start to finish? Did you think... I've asked this question to a lot of people, including Tom, but like, did you think maybe December time that we were actually going to do it and we were going to win? You know, what were your thoughts as the season went on? Well, coming in, I had no idea about the league. I didn't know anything about Telford. I don't even think I knew anyone on Telford, to be honest. I think it was, I can't even, no, I don't think I knew anyone before. So for me coming in, it was kind of a fresh start as such. And then, like you were saying, around Christmas time, everything just seemed to click. And I think it was the game in Hull where we had three D2 players. And we, I mean, we shouldn't have won the game. I don't think we did. I think we ended up losing in overtime. Right. But we got a point, yeah, and they had the whole team. And we were playing, I think, 4D at that point, And we had three D2 players playing forward. And we come out with a point, and I just remember sitting there. I don't even think I'd taken my jersey off yet. And I was just sitting there going, we can do this. Like, we're, I believe that we could go the whole, you know, we could go the distance. And then that was just kind of, from that point on, that's the only thing that was kind of in my head, that I wanted to win every game. I didn't want to give anyone a chance of even catching us. But, of course, you know, you take the highs and the lows. And then come February, I think we had a little, what was it, three weekends or something without winning, or maybe yeah. even more. We, we, we went through uh, we went through a run of games where we played cup cup in the week, cup at the weekend. You know, That's we had, right. we had something like, I think I think one week we had five games in seven days. So That's ultimately, right. we had suspensions, injuries, so it caught up with us. But I think you know we started to get guys back and. Um, that That's game against a bit of fresh freshness yeah. kind of helped us out. That definitely. So then we uh, we obviously played Swindon in the cup semi final. What were your thoughts on that? 
that second leg. You obviously scored a, a huge goal for us to make it 5-4, I believe. Um, how did you feel when that went in? And what the hell were you doing down there? Do you know what? I remember <laughs> listening to the podcast when he said something like, what was he doing behind the net? And I went back that day and I watched the video. And I was thinking, what was I doing back there? <laughs> <laughs> but just from, from the outset of that game, like I think we all had that. Like, Belief. We have we have we had nothing to lose. We were already down by three goals and I think was it Nell just before the end of the first period ripped one over the shoulder. Yeah. And it was like okay. And then I think you got the first one, didn't you? Because I or no, I give it to you down in the corner and you give it out to Brandon. Yes. But just before that you rattled the, the joint, didn't oh, you? Yeah. The same shift. And now they couldn't get out of their end that shift and I think yeah. Yeah, we just right. kind of took from that point on. We just took it and run. But when that goal went in, I don't know. You know, little monkeys in my head just jumping with symbols like, "Oh, there we go. <laughs> let's go." So, so do you actually feel like you know? Obviously, we we uh, as you're talking to Tom and Scott about having to sort of change your. Uh, tweak tweak your style of play a little bit maybe you know to, to cater for the fact it's not you know the way it's refereed it, it can't be as physical as maybe what you're used to back up across the other side of the pond uh, do you think your actual you know after a season with the Tigers do you think your your game sort of mindset for the game and the way you play it has kind of changed and do you feel it's changed for the better or anything you know what, what's your thoughts on that? I've, I do find myself now a little more being a little more cautious of open ice hits and stuff when I'm going to make them and just little things like along the wall I can see myself just sometimes I'll hesitate but then you know the override button in my head just says just go for it mm. and mm. I don't know if that's a good thing I don't know if that's a bad thing but unfortunately I don't really know how to play the game any other way so I just try to play it the way I know and I hope the officiating gets a little better and, you know, a little more lenient on me. Good luck with that. I think no. you just got to take I think it's a case of James taking that game game to game and, and seeing where the ref mm. officiating's at that night because it's so different from, from one game to the next, which is difficult. But yeah, it's very di- it's very difficult to pick and choose how you're going to play. You know, you play your best when you play on instinct. You know, you free your mind and you can just play. You're going to play faster. You're going to play smarter just by playing with, you know, your your natural instincts come at shining through. So um, not trying to change too much, not trying to think too much, because I think that's when we put ourselves into yeah, uh, the game that, you, you know, you don't, you're not going to succeed at as well. So I think it was a case of, you know, we, we've got this guy that's has a, has a, a hard edge style. We've got to encompass that in our game. And yeah, there's going to be moments, of, it, you know, we're going to, I don't know, serve a penalty, kill a penalty, whatever it takes. But those things also go to feed the team um, when you come through them. That they, they uh, you know, the guys gel, they bond, they, they come together off, off those moments in the, in the game. And you know, like Tom said, you know, you, the, the symbols are back crashing in his head. We, we, we're on it now. The, the, the train's rolling, and that, that can be from a, a hit, a kill penalty, or anything like that, or just mm-hmm. a good battle in front of the net that the, the team are um, building upon. So, Tom, here's a scenario for you, Tom McKinnon. Um, the, OH, the OHL have just uh, announced that they're going non-contact. 
So the NIHL, we begin in January and they say, it's non-contact. How does Tom McKinnon deal with that? He broke his collarbone and can't play. <laughs> I, I think that's a massive mistake. I agree. I think that's a huge mistake. Yeah. I, I was watching a video of uh, John Scott. He made a video about it. And he was just saying that if that happens and the OHL actually does play, it's just it's going to ruin hockey. There's, what, there's not going to be kids that want to go play in the OHL. They're going to go different routes. They're maybe going to go to Europe. They're maybe going to try and go NCAA instead of majors now. And I I don't think it's a good idea. It's uh, it's out of their control though, isn't it? It's to do with the, yeah, the government. The, but the, government. the OHL can cancel their season. Which obviously, you don't want that for the guys that are being drafted. But no. But the ultimately, they'll just go somewhere else. Play, without yeah. contact, like it, I I don't agree with. No. I'm hoping for it to be honest, um, but we'll see. Scott seems to think he'll <laughs> score 200 points if it's not contact. <laughs> Imagine. <laughs> yeah, it'd be nice for you. It'd be boring day for me. Yeah. So, Tom, you got any stories for us just to finish up? You got anything new from last season or years gone by that you want to share with our listeners? Anything on your teammates in the house or? <laughs> Or should, uh, we should ask how's Kristen? She okay? You better have. Yeah, she's doing well. Working away and working in a rehab. She, she, she's on the other side of the Atlantic now, and you're yep. in Belfast. Yes, there's a nice little five-hour time difference, so I don't really talk to her all that much. Just kind of throughout the day when we're both kind of at work, and then once I get home, just before I go to bed, she's just kind of getting home from work. <laughs> You're obviously gutted about that, that you can't speak to her, aren't you? <laughs> no comment, Tom. Take everything no comment. Great salt, you know? <laughs> it's peaceful, but, you know, it gets lonely. I'm sure. So, yeah, any stories that you want to share with us, share with our fans? You put Anything me on the spot there. Sorry, mate. Has, has, 84, has 84 always been your number, Tom? No. I would like number 14, but someone else has it. <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't know how many people have players have asked for that shirt number. <laughs> if only Joe Allen had scored 20 goals last year, eh? I know. Maybe to, be fair, Tom, you, to be fair, Tom, you could have had it for two-thirds of the season. I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Better get me it once he's done. For all how, that about, <laughs> how about that game in Peterborough? What were you thinking when he was... Stepped on for two power plays and scored two goals. I think it was the the second the second goal. I watched the first one from the stands and I was like, my heart was pumping. I wasn't even playing and I felt like sitting on the bench. But the second one, I was away getting chips or something in the cafe. I'm trying to look and there's like a bunch of kids standing in front of me, so I'm trying trying to be nice, but they're just. Getting on my nerves, so I can't really see. So I'm looking around him. I'm the only one in there, and he hits the one time, or I think it's the the, the rest shot. shot. It was low blocker. Yeah. And I in the cafe, and I just throw both my arms up and start screaming, and everyone in the cafe is just looking at me, like turning their heads, <laughs> and I'm sitting there screaming by myself, not a care in the world. I'm like, yes. Good. <laughs> and I think I was the only one that wasn't playing that game either. 
Uh, I think we had a lot still, of guys back, yeah. Still suspended? Yeah, that was... Yeah, yeah we played yeah, the London no, game. I, actually only come, yeah. I only come back for the last game. Yeah. 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 When London forgot their jerseys. <laughs> if only the other team could have got me a couple points. That is the most <laughs> British ice hockey thing ever. <laughs> isn't it? That is yeah. the hey, at least they, at least they travelled. <laughs> yeah, yes. yeah, that's true. Exactly. That was. <laughs> you got to respect them for that. They could have, yeah. like, like the other teams. They could have just went. You know what? No, I don't feel like it. No, but, did you uh, did you see the trophy at all at the end of that night? <laughs> What oh, a yeah. Mess that, that was oh, a mess yeah. that thing was. Who dropped that, Scott? <laughs> Andy McKinney. <laughs> oh. <laughs> anyway, okay. Pointing the fingers. <laughs> okay, thanks very much, guys. Uh, and uh, no, thank you uh, to our guest today, uh, Tom McKinnon. Thank you very much for joining us, Tom. Um, it's been really great to have you. Really, really interesting to. Uh, chat and uh, get an insight into um, your you know where, where you've been with your hockey playing uh, career and, and uh, how you've kind of really settled in with the Telford Tigers as part of their um, amazing uh, season of last so uh, no thanks very much for joining us and uh, we wish you all the best and also thank you to Scott and uh, Mr Watkins to avoid any confusion um, and also to Kieran our technical director so thanks to Kieran as always and uh, yeah thank you to all listeners for joining in today uh, for this um, podcast uh, episode and uh, obviously don't forget to subscribe and uh, we will see you on the next podcast so stay safe and bye for now
Another one bust the dust. Ow! Another one bust the dust. Hey, hey! Another one bust the dust. Hey!